Coming up on Locked on Dodgers, the Dodgers are down 2-0 two, two to the Braves. We've heard this story before, but we didn't like it the first time, and we like it less this time. There's a lot to talk about about the offense, some health issues, and some managerial decisions. So let's get Locked on Dodgers. You are Locked on Dodgers, your daily Los Angeles Dodgers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Dodger fans. I am Jeff Snyder of Baseball Central. That is Vince Samperio of Chavez Ravine Fiends. And this is Locked On Dodgers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen every day. Remember, this show is free and available on all podcast platforms and on YouTube simply by searching for Locked On Dodgers. This is the daily podcast covering the world champion Los Angeles Dodgers, bringing you the smart fans perspective on our boys in blue. Uh... We have a lot to talk about. The Dodgers have played two games since we talked last, and they got walked off by the Braves two times, and it sucked both times. And uh, this isn't going to be one of those fun episodes, but we have plenty to talk about. I think it will be worth your time, even if it isn't, what shall we say, therapeutic. Uh, but Vince, uh, you know, I, I could have I handled the Dodgers losing game one, a bullpen game against the Braves' best starter. You know, if you can go in and, and, and split the two games in Atlanta, steal home field advantage, blah, 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 come home, tied one-to-one. You know, I, I could have accepted that. Once the Dodgers had a lead and a close game it, late in game one, you start getting a uh, little bit greedy and th- start thinking about coming home up two games to none. And instead they get walked off and then get walked off again in a game that Max Scherzer started and the Braves starter only went a couple innings. And uh, the Dodgers had a two-run lead two different times. And that one is hard to swallow and hard to sugarcoat. Yeah, there's no way about it. The Dodgers, you know, blue game two to a certain extent, maybe blue game one, depending on how you feel or depending on how you think about the word blue. But the fact of the matter is there was opportunities there both times for them to win those both those games and they didn't do it. And you know, a lot of people bringing up, oh, you know, they went down 2-0 last year and everything else. But this year, I mean, it, you know, it's fair to say it's different there. Last year, the Dodgers kind of had home field to a certain extent the whole way through. There was probably more Dodger fans than Braves fans, or at least a little bit more of a split. Here, this, you know, new stadium, the Dodgers have only played in that stadium a handful of times. They, you know, some of the dimensions are a little different. Um, I, I it's just a lot to take in and to lose those two when you had them both late in the game is just annoying, especially considering the fact that, you know, you would think that your bullpen could match up better than the, than the Braves bullpen. Um, you would think your offense matches up better than the Braves offense. And like I said, other than the, the unfair starting advantage in game two, I mean, in game one, you had the unfair starting advantage in game two, which we'll get into more of why it wasn't exactly uh, uh, too much of an advantage, but it doesn't feel good. And, you know, it, it's hard to, Last year, you at least you could say like, oh yeah, the Dodgers, you know, they they could still get in this. Their offense can can help them out. But here, you know, the offense scares me. And we'll talk about the offense more later. But it, it's just like, I don't know, man. It's not like they've really shown out at all in, in offense this whole postseason. And it's hard to say they're going to come back just by you know pitching and defense, which their defense let them down a little bit too. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, we'll talk about the 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 offense in the next segment. Uh, I, I think I think the thing we have to talk about first right now is the decision to bring in Julio in relief here. And, and maybe leading into that, the reason Max Scherzer came out and let, uh, before the fifth inning was done was because he said his, his arm was dead. It was tired. And you have to think that has at least something to do with 
little bit of overuse. And I, I mentioned, you know, I wasn't in favor of using Scherzer in game five of the NLDS, even though I did feel comfortable and it worked out and, you know, got the win in the NLDS. But that was part of my concern was you have another series to win after this one. And and I understand you can't win the NLCS till you've won the NLDS. So, so I got it, but, but I didn't love the move then. And I loved it even less when Max Scherzer came up with a dead arm. You know, first they had to go with the bullpen game because he wasn't ready to go in game one. Then he has a dead arm for game two. And it's like, well, if we had known he was going to have a dead arm, just have him go in game one and have Bueller go in game two. Uh, you know, so all in all, it, it seems to me like in a game where you already took out your starting pitcher because you used him in relief a few days ago, is it really the right move to go to the guy who's starting for you in three days in relief? Yeah, and, and that's the, the tough question. Obviously, you can disagree with it after the fact. And, you know, if you disagreed with it before the fact, then, then I guess props to you. But the, the there's just there's different ways, you know. Obviously, Julio has been in that situation before. But kind of how they mentioned on the broadcast, he didn't do it at all during the regular season, where last year it was a short season, so I guess it was a little bit different. This year, you know, he pitched, started all the, all the time, um, you know, came into relief. And even with that, if you if you disagree with that decision, what it took for them to tie that game there in the eighth inning was, you know, a lot of fortunate events that happened on the Brave side, beating the shift, AJ Pollock, you know, not I don't know, not having sense of awareness of the game. Like there's no routine fly balls in the postseason unless there's nobody on base. There's no such thing as a routine fly ball. You're expecting guys to tag up, or you should be expecting guys to at least have the thought of tagging up every single time there's a fly ball. If he was prepared for that, you know, maybe he throws them out and, and that, you know, that, that whole thing gets erased. Steven Souza Jr. just having absolutely nothing on the baseball when he throws it in. Him being even in the game is also, you know, a factor of a few things, but also just kind of like, man, it, it just everything that could have went wrong that eighth inning happened. And, you know, Julio also didn't have strikeout stuff. You know, he got the one strikeout, but he didn't have come out and have a lot of swing and miss stuff. So you can you can put it up to that. But I just think with so many relievers that they have and, and kind of, you know, you're, there's a reason. Not It's not like 2019 exactly, but there's, a, you know, you have good relievers there that are available to use. Go out and use them. Leave Julio alone. Let him be ready for game four because now you're compromised game two and now you're compromising game four. Yeah, and it was kind of interesting. The Dodgers chose not to pinch run for Justin Turner after he got on, and if they had pinch run for him, they would have been up five to two instead of four to two. Uh, and so you think, okay, the reason they didn't pinch run for him was so they could double switch when Trinan came in, so that Trinan could go multiple innings, and they didn't use Trinan multiple innings anyway. So it's like, well, why didn't you pinch run for JT then? And the crazy thing is, and this I, I said this on Twitter, and I made the point, it's not a criticism because I do think having Souza over McKinney on the roster is the right move considering the the Braves left hand relievers. But if Billy if Billy McKinney was on this roster instead of Steven Steven Souza, then the defensive alignment in that inning is. McKinney at first, Mookie in right, and Belly in center. So Mookie throws out Rosario at home, and Belly probably catches that ball that was hit by by Riley because Belly left-handed, so the glove's on the right side, and he's faster than Mookie. He probably catches that ball hit by Riley. And, you know, it's like who would have thought that Billy McKinney and Steven Souza, that decision would uh, have such a big effect on this game. And, and again, it's not a criticism. I think it's the right roster move, but yeah, just so much stuff had to go wrong. And even with, you know, Sousa's terrible throw to the plate, it was still bang, bang. He was almost out. Uh, you know, the, the throw when Albie scored on, on Riley's hit, 
uh, the throw beat him. It just, it, or it got there right at the right time. You know, if the throw is three inches farther to Smith's right, it's probably, you know, Albies is out at the plate, just a, a game of inches. And then, you know, without even talking about Trey Turner's ball that should have been a, or would have been a home run in 29 other stadiums and wasn't, you know, uh, it's a game of inches and all the inches went the Braves way. But as we'll talk about in the next segment, uh, the Dodger, it shouldn't have been a game of inches with how many opportunities the Dodgers had, you know? Yeah, I think Petriello discredited the 29 out of 30, but it, regardless, it would have been a home run in a lot of stadiums. Uh, the other part, too, is just the the one that's not really being talked about is, you know, they put Matt Beatty to pinch hit, they bring in the lefty, they put Pujols in. As much as you think about it, Pujols is more of a of he's not just a one at bat guy. With the fact that they don't have that many first basemen on the roster, he's a guy that you have to consider defensively as well. And and when you burn two first basemen with one at bat, that kind of puts you in that position where you have to have Sousa in the outfield, Belly at first instead of in center. Mookie, you know, everyone's kind of moved around. And I think I don't know. I don't think Pujols is hitting good enough for them to have burned two first basemen and one at bat at that time. Yeah, that might be right. All right, we'll talk more about the offense in just a sec, uh, so keep it locked on, Dodgers. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part? There's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. All right, we're back. I w- we want to thank you guys for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen every day. Reminder that we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube if you want to look at our faces while we cry about the Dodgers losing two games in a row to the Braves, which is what we're doing here. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see that we have been sobbing this entire time, wiping our noses, everything. It's not, you know, it sucks. Uh, the offense, Vince, last year... In the postseason, the offense really stepped up. You know, there were times last year when I thought Dave Roberts was getting too cute with the pitching. You know, it's like, well, you've got five starters. The, the Dodgers last year, I thought they were uniquely positioned in a in a postseason setup with no days off. They were the only postseason team that actually had five good starters. And yet they still went with bullpen games and, and piggyback starts and stuff. And I thought it was a little too cute. But the offense stepped up and, you know, set records for most runs scored with two outs in a postseason. You know, they were very clutch. And this year we are not seeing that so far in the postseason, that that clutch hitting and getting those those key hits with runners in scoring position. We're not. And it's one of those things where I'd rather, you know, it's a good sign that they have so many at-bats or runners in scoring position, but it's not a good sign that they're not hitting them in. And then if you take out, at one point during the game, if you had taken out game two of the of the NODS when they kind of did finally break out and hit with runners in scoring position, that six hits that game. They have six hits, I think, the rest of the way with runners in scoring position. And, yeah, I, I, it's just, it's bad. You know, Mookie goes hot, and then yesterday he goes over four, and, and today he gets on base and puts himself in scoring position. But, you know, it doesn't always work out, and and there's just a lot going on. And the fact of the matter is that 
the Dodgers are playing a different game than they played during the regular season because of the offense not being able to produce. There's not a lot of home runs being hit in general by the Dodgers, and they're stealing a lot more bases. They're stealing bases at a way higher clip than they were in the regular season, which is an adjustment that they've made because they're not hitting, and they're trying to get at least you know a single away from scoring a run rather than two hits away or a gapper or a home run from scoring a run. So they're making those adjustments. They've bunted a couple times in situations that they probably might have not bunted in the regular season. Uh, one time was unsuccessful on the bunt the other time was successful on the bunt but not successful in driving the run in and it's just the, the situational hitting it, it just comes down to guys aren't making contact when they need to make contact there was a couple times in the last two nights where just a fly ball gets you the run and puts the whole game in a different situation it doesn't happen either time and it's not just one guy you know Trey Turner's looked really bad we've talked about him Justin Turner had looked bad didn't get the start in game four or game two uh, AJ Pollock's looked really bad and continue to look bad last night. And there's just no con- there's no continuity. There's no pass the baton. There's nothing in the Dodger offense that's flowing right now. It's just kind of disjointed. And without Seager's home run, I mean, who knows if they even put up runs later in the game because everything else kind of shifts. Yeah, I, I could have gone for a, an AJ Pollock bunt when they had Chris Taylor on third with one out. Um, be, you know, right now I, I don't have uh, confidence in Pollock putting the ball in play. Uh, I'm not sure how he didn't get the memo that, that, uh, what's his name? Luke Jackson throws, throws a slider. You know, it's like when AJ Pollock was really good this season, it was because he learned how to lay off that slider from a right-handed pitcher. And that has definitely regressed so far. It, It could change again. You know, he could figure it out tomorrow. We, I've mentioned this before. Right before he became the best hitter in baseball in July, he had a stretch where he struck out in seven straight at bats. And you and I talked on the podcast about how bad it was and how he was unplayable, you know, and then he literally became the best hitter in baseball for a month or a month and a half. It could happen again. He could show up uh, on game three, having made the same adjustment that he made in July and, and carry the Dodgers to a world series championship. It could happen. Uh, I don't know if that magic happens twice in one year. And without us having any idea why, how these struggles happen, you know, it's, it has happened in the postseason multiple times. I'm on record as saying, I don't really believe that it's because it's the postseason, but I could be wrong there. You know, like, is it the pressure of the postseason? Is it just coincidence that he happens to slump at this point? Is he tired? Is he, does he have a nagging injury? We don't know about, I don't know, but he's got to figure that out if he's going to play for the Dodgers anymore, you know? Yeah. And, and, it's a little bit of a prisoner of the moment take, but not so much because I had the same take when the season before the season even started. I mentioned that the Dodgers weren't going to miss Kike or Jock during the regular season, but they were going to miss them when it came to the postseason just because of how they, you know, they've come through in big situations. And from what we see, especially from Jock in this game, you know, Jock and what we've seen kind of from Jock this postseason, Kike a little bit the same is they might not be good hitters but they can hit bad pitches and that's exactly what they've been doing most of the postseason none of the hits that really that that these guys are hitting have been good pitches and that's the thing with the Dodgers they are swinging and missing at the bad pitches but they're getting to that point because they're missed they're either fouling off or missing the good pitches there's the you know they faced a lot of good pitching so far I mean, we're not going to discredit you know the Giants pitching the Braves pitching they face a lot of good pitching but they fouled off a lot of foul. Oh, they fouled off a lot of fastballs that were center cut or, or around the plate. You know, they've chased a lot of pitches that were out of the strike zone, and that combination just isn't going to get you anywhere. And that and that's where they're at right now. And I, I you know, Trey Turner especially. I feel like Trey Turner comes up 0-2 every single time he's at the plate, and it, that was, you know, that's a theme for him. He does have 
a lot of he has a lot of two strike hits. I think he led the league in two strike hits because he always comes up and he has two strikes right away. Uh, but you know what we saw in the regular season was that he wasn't chasing when he had two strikes, and now he's chasing when he has two strikes. You know we see other guys. You know even though Cody Bellinger is playing better, it's hard to count on him because it, it's not always going to work out that way. Gavin Lux hasn't really you know been as hot these last two games as he has, and like I said, it's just disjointed right now. Nobody's really hitting, and and the hits aren't coming at the same time. So game one, nine hits, didn't really score too many runs this game. I don't remember how many hits, but, you know, didn't really score too many runs. But the hat runners on all the time, and it's just going to come down to you got to – I don't know. I'm not a – you know, we're not going to project or put a hitting coach on it, but, like, you know, break it down to the situation and see what you need to do and put the bat, put the ball in play. Look what happened to the Braves. They put the ball in play. Some of those – a lot of broken bat – there's broken bat hits, there's bloopers, there's a bunch of stuff happening that the Dodgers aren't getting right now because they're not putting the ball in play when they need to. Yeah, and we saw the one time they did put the ball in play when they needed to, they got a two-run bloop single out of it. You know, it was, it worked, and it was kind of funny. Dodgers sent eight batters to the plate that inning, scored two runs, and only put one ball in play. You know, that was that inning was very emblematic of the season as a whole, and definitely the postseason as a whole so far. Um, it's watching Austin Barnes up there. Uh, do they need a second catcher on the roster? Um, I, I don't know that they have a better option for that roster spot, but, uh, but he's pretty much useless right now, huh? Yeah. I mean, at least he drew some, you know, he got into a full count, but then it was literally a fastball right down the middle and he just swung through it. Not even a fast fastball and that. And that's, you know, kind of where Roberts is handcuffing himself a little bit by playing the matchups maybe a little bit too early. And we've talked about this before, you know, Matt Beatty against lefty is not the worst thing, especially a lefty that throws a fastball like the way Matt sick does Albert Pujols. For what he for what he was during the season, he hit lefties, but he wasn't hitting off high velocity lefties. He was hitting off you know not guys that aren't throwing ninety eight like Matzik does. And I think I think you mentioned it in our chat maybe with the, with Justin or whatever that he probably would have been better served saving him for maybe a potential Will Smith at bat. And I think Roberts has got to start trusting some guys. You know, going to Julio on the eighth maybe shows a, a not a full trust in some of those guys in the bullpen or not trust of throwing them on back to back days, whatever the case is. And I think, you know, you got to start putting some trust in some of these guys because you're, you're handicapping yourself in situations. And it's, I know you got to play for the win when it, when it comes down to it. But, you know, at this point, I don't see Matt Beatty against the lefty that much different from, you know, Albert Pujols against the lefty that throws 98. Yeah, it, it's interesting. Like Pujols, even during the regular season, like he's not a guy who fills you with, with confidence when he comes to the play. He has come through many times for the Dodgers this year. Every time it surprised me, you know, and that probably says more about me than about him. But it's, I mean, he's not a good hitter anymore. He has gotten some big hits for the Dodgers. And he obviously, when he does square one up, he can still hit the ball very hard sometimes. But uh, yeah, he's not, it's not like he's a guy who, all right, set him up against the lefty. He's a lefty killer. You know, the one thing he can still do is hit lefties, but it's not like he bats 600 against them. You know, it's like, oh, he, he batted 290 against lefties or whatever it is, you know, might've been a little over 300 even, but it's not like he was, a lefty killer. It's just compared to the rest of his skill set. Hitting lefties is the one thing he has left. And I feel like maybe that's gotten exaggerated in people's minds to think that he is better at hitting lefties than he actually is, you know? Yeah. All right. We're going to come back in a minute. We're going to talk about the injury to Justin Turner and the, uh, the health concerns with Max Scherzer a little bit, and just talk about our level of concern on those things and a few other things. So Thanks for making us your first listen and keep it locked on Dodgers. 
Guess what? Cookie dough chunk built bars are back. I got an email telling me so. I assume they sent it just to me because they know how much I like them. But if you haven't tried the cookie dough chunk built bar, you need to do it right now. I'm looking straight at the camera as I say this. Go order cookie dough chunk built bar and then send me an email saying, Thank you for changing my life, Jeff. Because built bar, you know, is the best tasting protein bar in the world. They're healthy and they're delicious. It's a great combination. They have a ton of different flavors. If cookie dough chunk doesn't sound good to you, A, we're not friends anymore, but B, try something else, you know, order a mix box. They'll send you two of a bunch of different flavors. You can decide for yourself what you like, but they're all healthy. They all have 17 or 18 grams of protein, 130 to 180 calories, four or five grams of sugar and carbs. They're all tasty. They're all delicious and healthy and cookie dough chunk is back. So just go to built.com and use promo code lock 15 and you'll get 15% off your order. That's promo code lock 15 for 15% off your cookie dough chunk built bars at built.com. All right, Vance, we're back for this last segment. One more time. I want to thank you all for making us your first listen of the day. Check us out wherever you get podcasts and or on YouTube every day. And uh, so Justin Turner didn't start this game. First time since 2014 that the Dodgers played a playoff game and Justin Turner was not in the starting lineup, which is crazy enough on its own. You know, we, we know Turner's been kind of the heart and soul of this team, but the fact that he's never been banged up before, even for, for a game, you know, or never struggled. Every Dodgers player has struggled in the postseason at some point in time over, over the years, except Justin Turner until this year. And then it was kind of the perfect storm. He's been struggling and he's a little banged up. And so he sat, he did come in later, got a key hit by pitch, which, you know, maybe was the only thing he was ready to do offensively in this game. Uh, you know, but uh, A, are you worried about Turner's injury? B, do you think it's contributing to why he has been so bad at the plate? And C, uh, what does that mean for the Dodgers? Well, from what we were told, he had a stinger in BP uh, the day before, I believe. Played through it and then just couldn't go through it this game you know if justin turner was hitting 300 this postseason i don't think he would have sat last night i do think it was a combination of hey you're you're kind of struggling a little bit and hey you're not feeling 100 percent uh, i definitely think that that's the case and i'm not worried about the injury if, if they're being honest with us if it's just a stinger you know you can't move your neck you know you, you'll blast it out with a little the massage gun and you can get back out there and, and be fine but it's also a matter of is he your best option right now? We talked about this last week, and we didn't think it would, you know, he would. And then ODS, we didn't think he'd get sat, but now you're getting to the point where you know is Justin Turner your best option? He hasn't had the greatest defensive time in in the playoffs so far, as well as not the greatest offensive time. Um, you know, dropping him lower in the lineup probably is what they're going to end up doing if if he does end up playing and he he's healthy. But you know what it does to the Dodgers is it just gives you that guy. You know, Justin Turner is a guy who does exactly what we talked about earlier. Put the ball in play when you need it to be put in play. You know, he's poked a bunch of singles through the right side of the, of the infield. He's hit a bunch of balls over the wall in left field. Like, he can he, he can cover all sides of the plate, and, and he's done it so far in the postseason, you know. And what it does to the Dodgers when they don't have that is that they, with him and Max Muncy not, not being there, those are the two guys that you expect to either put the ball in play or give you, you know, a fly ball if you need it or whatever the case is. They're not there. It, it hurts the Dodgers' offense as a whole, and if everyone else is struggling or or there's, like you said, not that continuity in the lineup, that's where it hurts them the most, and, and that's where we've seen where it's hurt them. And, you know, I'm hoping hoping that maybe this this day off with the, you know, the, the long flight's not going to help, but, you know, I'm, I'm just hoping he can get better because 
they, they're going to need him if they're going to come back and win their series. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, maybe with Charlie Morton going in game three, it does make sense to sit him one more time, put Matt Beatty at first base, Chris Taylor at third, and move Bellinger back to the outfield. They'd have to make a decision about, you know, Lux and left or Bellinger and left. And, you know, you kind of who, – who knows what they do there, if how much they care about Lux's comfort level or whatever. Uh, but either way, you know, that might be the better option offensively. Uh, but you, you have to assume if, if JT's feeling fine on Tuesday, he's going to be in the starting lineup because he does have that history of postseason success. And he did uh, home and, Ralph Morton last year. Yeah, yeah. He, he, you know, JT is not one of those platoon split guys. You know, he's not guy, a guy you'd think about platooning anyway. He hits righties just fine, and uh, sometimes even better than he hits lefties. And so, you know, it would really come down to how he's feeling. But. Uh, yeah, I feel like the Dodgers need Justin Turner. They need Trey Turner too. They need both of those Turners to do something. Pollock is a guy they can survive without because you can bench him more easily. But the Turners, they can't really – I don't think they can win this series without the the Turner brothers uh, hitting the ball better. Yeah, and it, it, it flips a little bit from the last series where the Braves are a better – not better offensive team than the Dodgers, although they're playing you know a little bit like it right now. But they're a better offensive team than the Giants for sure. And you can't get away with, you know, two two key guys in your lineup not hitting. You can't get away with scoring three, four, five runs. You got to put up, you know, five, six, seven runs in order to, to kind of feel safe. Uh, and going back to Dodger Stadium, you know, you're, you're going to feel a little bit more comfortable. So you got that going for you. But it's just a matter of, you know, you, you got to put yourselves in better situations at the plate. You can't be down 0-2 or you can't be... You know, swinging at swinging and, and fouling off a fastball right down the middle. You gotta. I don't know if they're gonna change an approach or just change the way you know maybe their individual hitters' mindsets are. You know, but maybe sit and wait for a mistake pitch and be like, you know, I'm gonna wait for a fastball down the middle, and if I don't get it, I'll I'll push it down the line a little bit till I have one strike or two strikes. And you know, it might be a little bit overthinking on our end too. It might just be you know what they're just not hitting. Uh, but I do think that there there needs to be a little bit of a change in, in some capacity uh because what they're doing right now is not working yeah that might be and then you've got the uh the max scherzer issue the reason he went less than five innings is because he said he had a dead arm he said not in a red flag sort of way just his arm was tired and you know we mentioned it's probably due to being used a little bit too much and maybe in unfamiliar ways um but he's another guy that if the dodgers are going to win this series we know it's going to go at least six games if they're going to win it uh which means we're going to see Max Scherzer again. We're going to need him to be good again in this series if the Dodgers are going to win the series. So what's your level of concern about Max Scherzer right now? It's a little concerning just because, you know, his his age and he did throw a lot this season. You know, there's, there's a lot of mitigating factors with him. And the fact that he'd never saved a game. I don't know if he never came out of relief, but he never saved a game. I think he did come out of relief before. Um, but... It's a different, and Pedro Martinez has talked about this in the post game show a couple of times now. Where that one inning, while it was only one inning, 13, 14 pitches, whatever it is, in that situation, and that, you know, everything going for it, that's like two or three innings, he, he says. And he's done it before, so he would know. Um, you know, he doesn't know exactly how Max Scherzer feels, but he said it before this that when they, even before they pushed him back to game two, that he was going to feel this for a few more days. And, when you think about that and when, you know, they did mention the tired arm, why he didn't start game one. And it also just makes you think like, okay, I know they wanted to give Bueller the extra day because he went short rest his last time through, 
But would they have been better served with Bueller now in game two on regular rest and give Scherzer a couple days rest since he did have that tired arm? But the fact of the matter is, even if Bueller had held them to, to two runs or less, they only had two runs at that point, whatever the case was. So it might have been a moot point. But uh, you're, like I said, you're playing with fire now. Now you compromised game two a little bit with the game five of the last series, which is a little bit more understanding. But now you're compromising game six because what if he's not ready for this one? You're compromising game four using Julio in game two. So you're playing with fire and you don't have the offensive firepower to kind of play with that fire right now. So something's got to give or something's got to improve on the Dodgers side. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do the rest of this series because Scherzer only threw, you know, low 70s pitches, I think, here in game two, which, you know, and game game five would be short rest for him. Game six would be an extra day of rest. And so you would think for game six he would be plenty rested. But if they're in a situation where game five is a must win, uh, obviously, you know, maybe not a must win. It's, if they're down three games to one going into game five, you, knowing you got to win three games, I think you 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 do whatever you got to do for game five, and your best bet is to go with Scherzer and Bueller both rested in game six and seven. But if you're at a point where it's like, if you're up, you know, or, or if it's tied two games to two, and so game five is like a, a really pivotal game, do you think about bringing Scherzer back on short rest because he did – throw so few pitches in this game or does does the dead arm totally room remove the option of Scherzer on short rest you know there's a lot of interesting questions like that yeah I think the best the best thing about that is that what we've seen so far Scherzer's been very transparent with with how he feels and you know the, the game when everyone went crazy uh, in the regular season when they took him out early you know, he let them know that he felt that cramp since we, or he felt the hamstring, whatever it was, I can't remember, but he felt it since the beginning. He let them know, and he told them, you know what, it's probably time to pull me. And I, what I really liked about his post game too was that, you know, the fact that his arm was dead okay, but he said, you know, I got to know who's in the bullpen and who's going to come out of the bullpen in order to kind of evaluate how I felt. And he said at that point in time, the two lefties coming up, Vesia has a better matchup for those lefties. Now, if it would have been like two right-handers or the bottom of the lineup, I think Scherzer would have finished that inning. And he mentioned that, that he might have finished that inning in that case. So I think the fact that he's full transparency and, and you know, he wanted to throw in game five of the he told Robert. And if he feels fine and he knows it's not going to compromise the team, then he'll go in, in game five here if, if they would need him and if they, you know, brought it up or asked them or whatever the case is. So I think the fact that he's full transparent so far and 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 been really honest with them, I think that that'll give him whatever the decision is, I won't I won't uh have an issue with it because I know it'll be because of Max Scherzer and everyone else's support. Yeah, and if they were to go with Scherzer on short rest, that would also mean going with Bueller on short rest in game six. And so it seems like, you know, Whatever happens, they're probably going to go with the bullpen game or or something like that in Game Five. But uh, it'll be interesting to see. At this point, we're just hoping it gets to Game Five, you know, because uh, uh, right now they're down two games to none, and that is uh, not a fun position. Definitely don't want to go down three games to one like this time last year when they were down two zip. Then they had that offensive outburst at the beginning of, of Game Two or Game Three. They won that game pretty easily, and then you know Game Four was a game where you know things went awry uh, late in the game and, you know, we don't need to rehash that series, but, you know, hopefully the Dodgers kind of take a better route here and just win all three games at home and go back to Atlanta, just needing to win one of two with Scherzer and Bueller totally rested going in those games, because uh, that that's, if the Dodgers go into the world series, it, that's how it's going to need to happen. 
And, and you got to realize, too, that this is a different Braves team than last year. They don't have Ronald Acuna. Their offense is probably, you know, probably about the same, though, because Riley wasn't Riley last year. And, you know, Eddie Rosario's been uh, really annoying there at the top of the lineup. And even though – and Freddie Freeman hasn't even done anything. That's the bad part. Last year, Freddie Freeman was the one that was helping contribute to beat them. This year, he hasn't done anything. So you got to imagine he's going to get going. So you got to look out for that. And then last year, they only had one, like, kind of real starting pitcher and then a bunch of the rookies were throwing – this year, they have three legit starting pitchers, and, and they've already faced two of them. They're going to face Charlie Morton in game three. Game four is a little bit of an unknown. And then their bullpen's better. You know, last year, Will Smith is still shaky at closer, but getting to them, they they, they have some guys with some big-time arms. So the Dodgers, are not they're not going to take it light, but they got to really buckle down and say, hey, we can't go down 3-1 again, or we can't go down like we did last year because this is not the same team, and we're not going to come back and win this series. Yep. All right, I think that'll wrap it up for today. Thank you all for making Locked on Dodgers your first listen every day. Tomorrow we will dig in more looking forward to game three, maybe have a little bit more information on Justin Turner, Max Scherzer, some of those things. You know, we'll have to see what tomorrow brings. There's an off day today, and and so, you know, we'll, we'll see what information comes out. But either way, we will be here to talk to you tomorrow morning like we are every weekday. Now for your second listen of the day, check out Locked on MLB where Paul Francis Sullivan, please call him Sully, brings you his unique perspective on the major leagues past and present. It's free and available on all platforms. If you're not listening to Locked on Dodgers every day, we would encourage you to add one or two days a month to your to your rotation. Uh, if you want to check us out on YouTube sometimes instead of podcasts, you could do that. Do both if you want. You know, it, it's uh, maybe it, it sounds different when you watch it on YouTube. So I encourage all of you to do a comparison. Listen on your podcast app and then watch it on YouTube and let us know if you noticed any differences. And, uh, you know, if it happens to give us more numbers, all the better. So uh, please subscribe to, to Locked on Dodgers on YouTube, wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Locked on Dodgers. Vince is on Twitter at Vince Samperio. I am on Twitter at Snydog. And the DMs are open in all of those places. You can email us at LockedOnDodgers at gmail.com. Or you can leave us a voicemail or shoot us a text at 323-863-LOCK-5625. We are here every weekday morning, and we hope you'll be here with us. When you get in your car or sit on your couch, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Dodgers. And remember, you don't have to agree. You just have to listen. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done.